0: Hi everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, the host of Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today we have someone that has conquered so many different things. He's conquered type one diabetes. He's conquered an incredibly competitive space. He's conquered being a family man, a father, a dog breeder, everything. And he's done it with a servant's heart. And he's done it his way. Uh, in 2011. My dear friend, Jason Poston, who I've known since the 2000s through um, a different life that we used to both live, and it led us to the life we both have now. But in 2011, Jason was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and he did what very few people do when they're faced with something that is a challenge. He looked it in the face, and he kicked it in the face. And Jason decided to go take that news and turn it into an obsession, a passion, and a mission for being an Olympic bodybuilder. Fun fact, Jason has been in the top three for Mr. Olympia, which is something that will never be said about your host here. Um, I'm never going to be in the top three. Maybe I'll be in the top three for like Mr. Olympia and it's spelled weird and um, it becomes a whole different thing. But back to Jason. Uh, He's a top three performer. He is the most followed influential person in the world of bodybuilding that has a diabetes background. And Jason has done All of this while remaining true to himself, which is why I've asked him to be a part of the show today. So without further ado, um, my most ripped friend, um, my most feared friend, but you're about to fall in love with him like I did when I met him at a nightclub in 2000. And nine, Jason Poston.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah. That was that was extraordinary. Yeah, He hyped me up. <laughs> Thank you.
0: And thanks for coming today, and that's it. So um, that's it, Jason. Thanks for being here. I'm kidding. Jason, give give us some background. Let us let us get to know you a little bit. I know that um, if you all are watching, you can experience what I'm experiencing. That's just absolute intimidation. But if you're not watching, I'm going to have you paint a picture. Imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger coming in without the Austrian accent, and um, all of a sudden he wants to just give you a hug. That's it. That's that's Jason. But give give us some background. What got you here today?
1: It's it's funny how um, the lens that people see you is not always the lens that you see yourself, right? Um, maybe that is why people get into lifting weights and bodybuilding because they want to better themselves, yeah. and it's not it's not ever good enough. You're like I'm I'm happy and I'm you know at 41 now with four kids, you know I feel uh, where I'm, I'm very content with all my work to, to build a physique. Um, but it is funny because, you know, I don't see myself as big you know, or muscular, right? That's,
0: I'm, I'm, it's crazy. you've led with that question. Cause one of the things I was going to ask you off, off subject or off kind of what we prep with is at what point does a bodybuilder just say, I'm satisfied. I've gotten to the point where I lift as much as I want to lift. My muscles are as big as they need to be, but you're actually kind of answering it for us, which maybe makes you different in the space anyway. But have you actually reached that point where you're you're at the peak performance and you're gonna just maintain it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think looks-wise, right? I just say looks because when you work out, some people have this look in their mind they want to achieve and I, I achieved that. Like it, I didn't really have a goal to look a certain way until I started bodybuilding at at 30. So I always worked out. When I met you, I was working out, but it was all performance-based. So everything was about, you know, looking good. We'll say 10, 20% of the of the equation, but the rest was all about performance. How fast can I run a 400, you know, a lap around the track? How fast can I run the mile? How many pushups can I do? The month before bodybuilding? Yeah. Before bodybuilding in my twenties is, you know, and before type one diabetes diagnosis, I had a completely different mindset on fitness. Right. And, um, so my fitness was performance driven, just seeing what, what I could get out of my body, um, by, just testing myself with Navy SEAL fitness challenges and sprint triathlons. And um, also, let, you know, I was big into strength. How strong could I be? Strength was a huge p- uh, performance goal From I wanted to be freaking strong.
0: Did that stem from something? Like maybe throughout your childhood, was there something that you wanted to prove to somebody or to yourself? What was, you know, I wanted to be strong too, but I also wanted to eat Snickers and play, you know, Nintendo. Yeah. So I kind of went down that path until <laughs> um, I went through my, you know, change fit physically which i'm still getting there as Mr. Olympian with two Ys. but uh, what what got you to the point where even before bodybuilding you decided that fitness was something you wanted to kind of obsess over
1: I, in the very beginning it it was um it was a small guy thing i was smaller i graduated high school at like 155 so i'm 5'10 and a half get maybe 5'11 and i was thin And smaller, I had pretty good athleticism, but in Texas, you need to be you need to be bigger if you're going to go to college and play sports. So I always wanted to do that. I look up to athletes. The whole athlete and coach, um, you know, driven lifestyle was was that's how I related to life. That's my my dad was real hard nosed. Um, He's really tough on me, but. It was uh, it was always you know relating everything in life to sports and then when I figured out after high school like you know what I'm just I'm not cut it to be some type of uh, college athlete or pro athlete or uh, not even a even a varsity athlete I mean I rode the bench at, at most of my sports I realized that I was gonna have to lift weights and work to be this elite athlete you know and which uh, would be
0: kind of your not defense mechanism but if you could lead with that you wouldn't get made fun of or you wouldn't be you know
1: it just gave me a place it gave me confidence you know I mean certain people get confidence from other things and it's so common that what was called me a meathead right and I've I've absorbed that fine that's where I get my confidence though to excel at other things so at at a young age as a young man if I can develop confidence by getting my bench press and squat and building a back and a deadlift, you know, and and just building all these muscles through something that I'm dedicated to sacrifice through, then that could possibly propel me, number one, to a career, which I started personal training, right? My first career. And then also it can before
0: you were a bodybuilder.
1: Yeah, long, long before. I became a trainer at twenty one. I was a trainer when I met you. And um, that was all I did was I had, you know, personal clients that needed to service and take care of, get them results, motivate them, inspire them to make changes in their life so that I could so I could give back, you know. And,
0: but you found a way to find significance through doing that to where maybe, you know, I think the best leaders, the best big brothers, the best dads are the ones that maybe didn't have the best experience of having a big brother, a dad, a mentor. And, you know, yeah. And, and, I have the the greatest dad ever, but I never really had a mentor, which is why I like owning a business is that I can pour into people and, you know, kind of makes up for the lost time, but maybe that did that for you, Mm -hmm. right? And then you have the business owner mentality where how do you go grow that to scale, knowing that the way you make money as a trainer is, you know, one-on-one with somebody and you can only be with so many people per day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, there's so much to say about it because I have a huge, I have a huge passion to help. Trainers and people that come from my background to help them understand that they can scale. I mean, they can literally let, let me show you a way you can make millions a year from starting off simply personal training people, you know, because that was my path. And that's what I did, but it all started with one, with one goal is, well, first of all, why am I here on earth? You know, what, what am I going to do? You know, we're all thinking 18, 19, 20, 21, and unfortunately, some people all the way for the rest of their life, they don't ever figure it out. But especially during those younger years, you're like, what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I what? What? How am I going to work? How am I going to make money? And, um, you know, someone told me, like a lot of us here at that age is like, hey, find something you, that you can do where you don't feel like you're working. And, you know, you have a, a great career. And now. yeah. And I saw my dad and um, we can get into the whole, you know, family fatherly you know, your role model stuff when we're ready. But, you know, I saw how miserable he was working two jobs. We didn't have a lot of money, you know, barely keeping the light bill on. He was um, always trying to do different things on top of his nine to five that didn't pay well. And he was just miserable and he took it out on us. Right. Um, so I saw that stress. And it, it, when I turned into a man, I realized, you know, I'm in college, but dude, I still don't know what I want to do, but I love working out. I love helping people. My name is Jason. You know, it's Jason is a was a healer in the Bible. My mom put that and implemented that in my brain my whole childhood that I was going to be a healer. And even though I didn't believe her when it came time to pick up my career, I was like, "Whoa. Man, personal training is kind of helping people. I mean, I'm not healing people, but in a way, maybe someday this can turn into healing people." And we can get back to that later because I'm doing some crazy things right now. Um that have far outreach just simply counting people's reps but you know it, at that young age that was that was the foundation was just I you know maybe I'm not the top athlete but I love helping other people be a top athlete maybe you know I'm not the smartest businessman but shoot man it's fun training these CEOs and hearing about their day and being a part of their team that's helping them accelerate
0: teach them something too you know, I think yeah. that uh, the best mentors are the ones that get mentored. And the people that, you know, and maybe we have this in common, maybe we don't. But my background prior to real estate was I literally sucked at everything. And I think having that mindset coming in where I was, I was the fat kid, I never made the sports team. I literally got cut from basketball every year from fifth grade till senior year of high school. And I went into it knowing I was going to get cut, which kind of made it fun. But what was weird about business for me is that I found success kind of quickly, which is still weird for me. Right. But I take that mentality where I can learn from people that have different backgrounds and different skill sets. But I think that makes me a, you know, a better monster that I don't know everything and mm-hmm. I think for you. You can probably learn that along the way, but you can take little nuggets from these people that have different successes. And then that's how you build your brand better than anyone ever has.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it is a, um, you know, um, a, a sponge type. um Industry will say it is a sponge type um, service industry. Personal training, because you are—if you're smart—and I don't think a lot of people you realize that. But I was, you know, coming coming from very little success in your family and having to pay for all your own things at an early age and having, I had a job when I was 14, you know, I had, I had multiple jobs all throughout high school and all throughout college, man. That's why I sucked at school. (laughs) But what I did have was application. You know, I knew how to, I knew how to work and I had the work ethic. And so when I started this whole fitness journey, I saw that, that, you know, I was going to have to outwork every other trainer at the gym to be the number one in sales. I was gonna have to out smile and compliment and out, you know, out relationship everyone else. It, Cause it still was all competitive. You know? I'm still thinking like an athlete when I'm personal training people like, man, how can I get more clients? How can I expand? And I always look at other people in my, in my uh, business circle. right? Even though we're just personal trainers, we're all friends. I still always wanna make more money. Right. And, it, okay. and, and and nowadays it's it's a little different. You know, you're not so concerned because I'm not in a, a work environment with a whole bunch of, you know, alpha females and males training people. But still, it's, it's now turned on myself. For a you,
0: you are now to a different scale and I want to get there. But social media, social media wasn't around when you and I started working, whether we were 14 years old, even, you know, in our early 30s, Facebook was around. And I think that it was still a genuine device for staying connected. And, and and again, I want to get to that to where the branding and you being genuine and leveraging social media is, is pretty outstanding. But let, let's get back to the part where it was a pivotal moment for you. And obviously, you're a grinder, you're a competitor, you're literally a competitor for a living, but you're competitive, you know, just in general, but you get the diagnosis of diabetes, and you're already fit, and you're doing Navy SEAL workouts, and you're helping people to relative scale. But what was that moment like where, you've been faced with more adversity than most people, whether at 14 or at 31. And you've proven to be resilient, but something like that, you know, it could put people, you know, in a dark place. But what was the headspace? And how did you push through it?
1: You know, that was 2011. And I'll remember the day that I knew something was wrong with me for the rest of my life, because, you know, I lost 15 pounds in a weekend. It was it was when the Cowboys hosted the Super Bowl here. There was a big ice storm. Yeah. They almost weren't even able to have the yeah. Super Bowl. I'm sure Jerry Jones was freaking out.
0: Steelers versus Packers. I went. Yeah, I was miserable. Yeah. yeah, it was game it. Too,
1: everything was. everyone was locked in, but there was still tons of parties and the town was still alive. I just think it was crazy because of the ice everywhere. Yeah, and but, if you
0: remember this too, off. off topic but the taxi cabs went on strike as well Uh, (laughs) yeah it was back before uber and so yeah yeah it was it was like armageddon yeah which is why dallas hasn't had a super bowl since i I guess so yeah um anyway so back to yeah well
1: so we go i'm i'm um just you know that that year there was a lot of stuff going on and looking back it was all it was all essential that's what's funny is if you really um, – if you look at some of your struggles in life where you've had to dig out of a ditch, um, if, if you look at it the right way, you always see how important it was and pivotal in your life. It was really to set you on the right path, you know, if you, if you did it right. And so that's when I – you know, so I lost a ton of weight. Uh, I lost 15 pounds on a weekend, so I start eating, and I start thinking, okay, I need to gain my weight back. It's no big deal, but my face – like if you imagine losing 15 pounds – this weekend like you look a lot different monday morning and um you know so i had uh, all these different crazy symptoms frequent urination i mean i couldn't sit 15 minutes without having to go to the bathroom um i couldn't even drive down the road i literally have to pull over to the side of the highway and I, mean, I couldn't make it to a bathroom it was such a Push. Yeah, because it. Well, now I know. In, in, in diabetics, listen to this, or people who are you know understand blood sugars, ketones build up in the urine, and it, your body recognizes that as a toxin. So your your body just wants to pee out the toxin. All right. Um, it's, it's very similar to like when you drink a lot of alcohol and the next day, you're like just, or, or even that night, you're just peeing, peeing, peeing. It's not necessarily the water. It's, it's the blood sugar. So mine was sky high and I couldn't hold it. But then, you know, then you get dehydrated. So once you pee out all your water, right, then you, I mean, you literally appear peeing out your intracellular water too, and your muscles, and you're just so dehydrated. And then you, you're not absorbing any nutrients either because your blood sugar is so high. Um, my breath would smell like sugar. I would constantly smell sugar, and it would just smell sweet everywhere. And it was my own sweat, and my my vision was getting super blurry, and, and all of it. What's funny is it's not necessarily a massive slap in the face. The weight loss is probably the biggest slap in the face because your clothes don't fit, and you're you're noticed. But here I was working out, so I just got ripped. I was I was dehydrated, and I was burning fat too. I was losing muscle, but I was also losing fat because it's basically eating who knows 5,000 calories a day eating whole pizzas and still being hungry afterwards it's the weirdest feeling in the world but
0: Did you know you had diabetes at this time? No you're like this is God has blessed me with the coolest metabolism <laughs> yeah. ever let's have another pizza for breakfast
1: yeah it was cool until you really get thin and then the insecurities kicked in and I remember people starting to, and people would say stuff about like man you're looking great. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going on. I'm eating ice cream and pizza and everything trying to gain weight. I can't gain a single pound. So I thought I had a, a tapeworm. And then, you know, full transparency, I thought I maybe had an S T D or something. So I went, got everything checked, and they said, no, no STDs, no internal um, gut issues. But well, what they just simply didn't prick my finger and check my blood sugar. <laughs> and then so but I so I left I left that clinic upset. Because I, was like, I just want to figure out what's wrong with me.
0: So you leave the clinic, uh, still looking for answers, and then finally you found out that you had yeah. type one diabetes.
1: Yeah, I got. I went to a hospital, just admitted myself because it had gotten so bad. I had no energy to even stand up. Mm. It was bad. I, I lost, and during that time, I lost all my clients. I had. Uh, I moved out of my apartment because you know I didn't have money coming in. I didn't have a lot of money saved up either. So I had been sick for nine months, and I probably had like six months worth of finances to support myself in my bank account and just ran through all of it and so i had to move in with my dad it was just man it, it, a very depressing time of my life but also a time when i probably prayed more than ever to find out so i became closer to god and, and really that's the first time in my life and i hope everyone can experience this when you know when you have when you feel like you're so spiritually close to god you actually feel like you You can almost feel the Holy Spirit for for Uh. at one point in your life, and it's it's a very surreal. People call this a religious thing, um, but it was there. That was the number one thing that kept me driving on because I would have, you know, honestly, could be sleep deprivation. I didn't sleep at all, like because when you wake up and you have to pee every 15 minutes, you don't sleep, you know. And I would fight, you know. So I would have these, but I would pray and I would just hear these voices telling me like, hey, you know, you don't have strength right now, but you're gonna be strong. And I would hear that over and over, all these nights and mornings when I was just, I mean, g- literally getting this depression or whatever you call it from from this, all these issues in my life from, from, from being sick, I would hear that over and over again. Like you're not strong right now, but you will be stronger than ever. And I would hear that. And so when I got, when they diagnosed me and they gave me a shot of insulin, I felt like I absorbed all my food right there. I feel like I had a, sh- like, Better than the best energy drink you're ever drinking. Like just better than the best day or morning you've woke up when you feel like you got the best sleep and you're just like ready to crush the day. It was like adrenaline, like, whoa, I'm ready, I'm back. And I really just went and sprinted to researching everything about the disease in eight weeks. After my diagnosis, I entered my first bodybuilding show. What? Um, Yeah, I was like, I got to do something. And that's where the business and the... The marketing guy, mine kicked in, was, listen, I've got this disease, but I'm not going to be another statistic. They told me I was going to be fat, told me that my life was going to change, I wouldn't be able to do all these things, I would. I was going to die early. And I said, no, I'm going to be, I'm going I'm to attempt to be one of the healthy faces of this disease. And so that's why I, I, I signed up for a bodybuilding show. What year is this? 2012? 2011. So this is all the same year. I got sick in February, and I got diagnosed nine one one eleven, and then I did my first show on, on ha- the day before Halloween, and um, I went up to Oklahoma. It was the last show of the year, and I decided to enter it and see. You know, so I worked in eight weeks. I was already lean. Let me
0: time out. So is it just a, is it? Uh,
1: pardon my ignorance, Is this a bodybuilding competition for people that had diabetes? No, no. It was, it was open to everyone. It was a new division in bodybuilding called physique. So it was more attainable. Less weight, less muscle. It was, the, it was it was supposed to be like kind of like a, a super muscular beach body look, huh. right? And I had won one of those shows. I used to win them. Like they weren't they weren't in the organization. They was like for fun, or you could win a, a supplement sponsor. So in 2007, I won a fitness model contest. So this is basically now a fitness model look within the bodybuilding organization. That they excuse me, that they added to. The IFBB it was the International Federation of Bodybuilding. So you had so now these big massive guys like Ronnie Coleman and and, and um, Rogers Arnold Haley, or Arnold, Rogers yeah. Arnold. <laughs> <sorry. Yeah. laughs> you had you you could now be like them in this new division, and so I went. And that's that's what I did. I, I, like listen, let me go try to see. And also it was a marketing thing, right? So. You know this with, with all your businesses, there's certain things, events you show up to, there's certain things that you do um, to draw more eyes to your business. And with fitness, it's for me, it was events. Was social media
0: really around back when you started being a part of the fitness industry from a business standpoint?
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't use, I use Facebook um, and that, that was a benefit to me. I always use Facebook to show transformations. And then also I read sales, yeah, transformations for my clients. Um, And then also giving out bits and nuggets of gold every day, you know, just like free tips, free, Hey, try this push-up workout. I mean, I used to get people on, I I wasn't thinking about it as far as like on the, on a bigger scale, but I did understood, I understand I, I could book up clients off of Facebook and I did pretty good at that. And so 2011, it really, when I got better, I mean, I lost every client. I think I had one or two They were literally just feeding me, basically. And then I booked back up and went up to, like, 20 clients within a matter of two months. Moved out of my dad's house. I I lost my car. I had to get rid of my car. Couldn't afford the payment, nothing. So I got a car again. And in a matter of two months, I was back on my feet. Had money in the bank. Got an apartment. And started this sprint to where I'm at now. Which I want to talk about that because I feel like it's a
0: good... Entry point, but you know what you've done within what you've done is you're a unicorn. You know, as far as leveraging something terrible and turning it into something great. And I hope that people can learn the lesson from that. But you know, to keep on theme of the podcast, of not being a sellout, you you learn to leverage it as well from a, a business standpoint. Um, so, as far as leveraging it from a business standpoint, what was your first aha moment to realize that maybe you're using your mission in the world of Helping people, and you talk about having 20 clients. You know, as far as Jason, the the trainer. But how did you go in your head and start the process of becoming, you know, one of the most influential people in the industry, especially online?
1: I had an understanding, be it from, you know, reading books. Um, my sources of information back then were probably just books. I we don't we don't we didn't have all the stuff on on. Instagram and podcasts. And, you know, we've got a a big source of information now. So right back then, it was just books. um, And, you know, I understood that my story um, was was also going to be, you know, uh, my testimony, right? Or or the the mess I was going through was going to be um, my outlet to be able to help other people through their mess. Right. If I owned it. And because there's part of you, when you get a disease, you don't want to tell the world about it. You want to just go about your normal activities. And you, there's a lot of a lot of men and women that want to hide it. They don't necessarily want that whole you, you're you don't want people to think that you want sympathy. You don't want people to think that you're weird. Right. I'm now have to do injections every time I eat. And on top, multiple times a day, like con- I'm a pincushion, constantly stabbing myself with this, with this needle to inject every time I eat. So you're kind of embarrassed about your friends and all, but I knew it wasn't easy, but I just jumped right into the fact that I'm owning this, I'm owning this disease and it's now a part of my story and I'm going to utilize this um, for, for all on social media that if I can do it. And if I can be elite, which I wasn't, I wasn't elite, right, but I was getting there, so I had the faith that I was going to become elite, I had the faith that I was going to become an IFBB pro, I had the faith I was going to be the first type 1 diabetic to ever make it to Olympia, and in that process, I was going to bring people along with me, because if I can do it, you can too. And I'm a big person on no excuses, you know, I'm almost a little too hardcore. Because, like, my sons, I'm going to have to probably soak up some knowledge about how being a little bit easier on them. But I'm just real tough. I'm super tough on myself. I'm but
0: at the core of that is love. Absolutely. At the core of that, it goes back to giving people confidence. And it goes back to being 150 pounds when you graduated high school riding the bench to scaling your mission, which it sounds like you want to make people just feel great about themselves. Absolutely. So um, I'm not going to counter what you're saying because I realize there's a fine line. But I struggle with that, too. And I think that you know something. Someone told me a few years ago that blew my mind. That I never would have ever thought is that I'm a perfectionist, and I never would have thought that. But you kind of are too. And I think you want people to go and feel the you know it's maximizing because, each day.
1: It's because that's what we're meant to to be. That's that's what God has designed us to do. Our our divine fingerprint that we leave on the world is is not meant to uh, be less than. What we're supposed to be. I agree. You know, um, somebody said this the other day, and I've always thought about it, but not in this way. This is the the perfect analogy for how I vision life. Is you know, when I die, and when I stand before God, uh, or or for the people that you know, listen to this, that maybe don't quite understand God or they don't they don't have a faith yet. But when you die, if you can see your identical twin. And you look over at your identical twin, and this is the person you're supposed to be. Are you anything even close to that potential of what you were supposed to do on this earth? Hmm. And that's why it's not about what you do. I don't care about how much money people make. I don't care about, you know, what all these different materialistic things. It's just like, did you did you do what you're supposed to do with the gifts you were given? Were you able to turn around all these struggles that you were given? Were you able to overcome all the obstacles you were supposed to overcome, or did you let them beat you? And so it's not just type one, you know, it's not just diabetes, it's, you know, abusive father, father is a meth addict, it's a, you know, a divorced household, it's, you know, alcoholic, alcoholism running through every man in my family, you know, it's generational curses of poor uh, financial uh, decisions, you know, um, and then my own, my own struggles, you know, overcoming all that is what I, I look at it as just exactly that. This is what, um, you know, this is the path that has been given to me in life, and I'm meant to do the absolute best with it. And so it's you know it's there's a lot. Like we haven't even gone into the fact I went to jail over thirty times before I was twenty one. Thirty? I was in jail. A lot. I was a troubled teen, man. Good lord, you've and, been to jail
0: thirty more times than me, and that's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but funny. Did you go to jail as a prisoner, or did you go there as a volunteer?
1: Oh man, I was I was definitely locked up, and they didn't let me out till my sentence was over. So county was the highest I did. I didn't go to prison, thank God. Wow. Because I didn't get caught for the stupid stuff I was doing. Um, But you know, I did. Yeah, I spent a lot of time, and so. But point being that, you know, if a guy like me can get to where I'm at in life, I want people to understand that you've got a shot too.
0: Amen. I love that, man. That's 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 powerful stuff. And you know, and again, that's the whole premise of this is you could have given up. Statistically, you should have given up, but you decided to power through because there was something there leading you. And I feel, you know, I went through some weird times in my life, some hard times, but that's when I think that you find out that you're great, right? And if everything was just smooth sailing for people like you and me, we'd get sucked in, but you know, you wake up and you take I think every day is Monday, right? Every day is an opportunity to maximize your potential, start over and, and just crush it. You obviously do it differently. Uh, I, want, I want to make sure we talk about your brand and what you've been able to do with online being a, a, a big source of it. But when you realize what you were you know, turning into as far as the, the, the business side of you, the brand, and it's still Jason Post and it's still broken that led to, f- to being a, you know, a, a, full, a full person, a father, husband, you know, et cetera, what was the moment where you realized you could go and level up the selling right and whether it's selling product or you know your your persona how did you do that and how did you begin to go and you know bring brands into your life that were not necessarily something you had ownership of at the time but what was that process knowing what you've done now and just to give you all cold hard facts right now if you were to put something online and how many people do you think would see it
1: um you know these algorithms are tough now. I mean, like maybe three, four hundred thousand. But well, like, I mean, I have, like all my followers, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I don't know, all together, maybe like uh, over maybe three or four million followers which on different platforms. But yeah, so I mean, maybe, I, but on a given day, we do measure this and we pay attention. You know, yeah. I'd say you know anywhere from four to five hundred thousand, which is insane.
0: Right. And you had to obviously get to the point where um, something I get a kick out of and it kind of backfired the other night I when spoke to a group of people and I didn't really know the audience before I got in there. And I was like, would you rather have a half a million dollars or I said, raise your hand if you'd rather have a half a million dollars versus a half a million followers. And no one. I was like, well, how about a half a million followers before? And they're like, yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? You'd rather have 500,000 followers versus, you know, dollars. But I think that's something wrong with, with the world today. But what got you to the point where you started building this? And I know that we've had conversations about your engagement being like a real group of people that are following you and engaging. But what was the strategy you head to get there? Knowing that, you know, obviously it's always about bringing more people in. But how did you strategically build that so quickly?
1: Well, there was, there's so many moments that I reflect back on to where I started just building confidence to where, you know, I could, I could make even more money than I ever had. And the, I'd say the first moment was when Instagram started to like really pop. It's like 2012. And I tra- changed a lot of my personal training to online training. It's very common now. But I was one of the first in 2012. I'd, I'd seen maybe a few other people, and I had an idea to do t- online training that I threw it away in 2007 and 2008. I thought, no, nah, we need a personal application. Like, but now, so I, I went to online training, and I just made a few posts about that I was available to help people, and not even thinking that it would be global. Well, I got some messages from some uh, two princes in Morocco. What? And it was because of my physique. It was because of the way I look. Right, I was competing. I just got my pro card, and I think it was also because I was type one diabetic. Right, they they, they respected that. But these two princes in Morocco that were brothers, they I have
0: to just do it real quick. One, two princes <laughs> here. before sorry, like in my head, Spin Doctors <laughs> is now sponsoring um, the
1: podcast. The but anyway. Spin Doctors. Oh man, bringing back the old school gems. Uh, anyway, two princes in Morocco. Yeah, they, and it was. I was so proud of that because I, I hadn't traveled. My oh, fam- did you go? No, I, I oh. never. I mean. I could have, but now you know. And if, if, if you fat, fast forward, I mean, yeah, I've been all over now. I'm, one,
0: but I'm like in my head, I'm like, did you travel to Morocco and then you trained the two princes? <laughs> Is, what, what? That? that I
1: have. I have gone to Dubai and trained some sheiks. So, but that's like later. But okay. this was the first time where you're like, you know, maybe that first phone call where you start realizing, okay, I'm not just selling real estate in Texas or Dallas. Like, yeah. I'm getting wait all over the nation now, yeah. even globally. Like, yeah. what the heck? No. And you man, it's a, it's a Pat on your own back. You're like, man, I'm, I'm moving up. Yeah. So that was the first moment. And that's when I realized, okay, this is about, the, if I do things right, and if I continue to educate myself on a businessman, this, this, this troubled kid that went to jail a lot and had no guidance and just basically worked people out for a living, man, I think I can do this and I can maybe, um, if I do it right, I could become a millionaire. You know, at the same time, I'm trying to win Olympia. So that was that, that was that defining moment um i'm not sure if i answered your
0: no 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 but but um, you did but i think just to get us inside your headspace too and, and y'all that everyone has social media everyone wants to leverage it. i think everybody no matter they say or not they want to have notoriety and clout and social media i think is a is a the quickest way to get there it's also the quickest way to um to make it collapse but you you did that but and i want to make sure we tie in the fact that you have a passion for telling your story and for educating people and for bringing them into the community of, of type one diabetes and you can do it to no excuses, et cetera, but how did you start to weave all that stuff in to the fact that you are a storyteller and you can't just tell one story on one platform to reach yeah. three or four million people, 400,000 in one day? What What did that all look
1: like? It, I, you know, I put, I piece it all together and this is going to sound a little different than what people might expect, how they might expect me to answer, but I just gave, I kept giving. I had no goal to build a follower or to build social media to gain followers. I saw people growing. And I thought that was cool. But once again, I I did my homework by reading books and brand building, and you know watching certain DVDs, and I understood that I just needed to keep giving. Oh, you all millennials, a DVD is a uh, <laughs> digital digi- video recording that you put into yeah. a machine. Um, they did, yeah, man, they're we're so blessed now with information, and we could even say overload. That's a whole other podcast. Dude. But I just kept giving, so I I gave more and more free information on Instagram so that it would keep. The, the, so that people of value would appreciate my content not i wasn't i could have taken my shirt off much more i could have i, same, could, have, same. I could yeah i could have. well that's that's the thing with the fitness industry on instagram and facebook back then if you had a really killer body you were just going to gain followers and the more you the more clothing less clothing uh pics you took that picture got the most likes. And so it pushes you to keep doing. That is why
0: I I have to sprinkle in the shirtless pics of me because it's like I get too many followers, too much engagement. It's like I'm more than just a body. Um, I'm surprised you haven't sold a shirt with your shirt off yet. You sold, sold
1: a house with your shirt off. Like sh- I've done a lot of stuff. that's not show on social
0: up. media, and if this is how I'm exposed, uh, and this is the last podcast. If you need me, I'm going to be Jason's bodybuilder. Um, like something's happening here, and I, I accept it. But anyway, sorry. Back to building your brand and and how you've how you've owned it. And, it, and it's so genuine, it's so sincere. And there's stuff on there that like there's been a few things when I first saw that you were genuinely promoting. I was like, I don't know if I could say about, but like. It's believable and it's authentic, and you can tell that you believe in the product. But at the root of it, again, the mission for me, good, bad, or indifferent, I'm never going to be satisfied with the companies that I own, ever. There's never going to be enough people that work here. We're not, there's never going to be enough real estate we sold. Never going to be enough viewers on the podcast. And I think that's a relative healthy mindset as long as I don't get caught up in the minutia of the success. And I feel like you're the same way. Yeah, and you're in the pl- the platform you have gives you access to anybody but you're still a fan of the business, right? And and so I ask you this to lead into the next question of, you know, the collab efforts and the sponsored posts and all this kind of stuff. What is that like having, you know, the audience that you have, knowing that you're getting hit up daily by people that want you to push their product? How do you go vet that to make sure it still aligns with you and you're not becoming a sellout?
1: The first thing that comes to mind when I'm trying to align with what what I'm going to promote on my social media, which – Which, like, you know, if we haven't already spoke about that, my my social media is a direct reflection of my life. Yeah. And and a lot of social media, the influencers aren't like that. It's what they they pick and choose, and I get that, obviously there's not absolutely everything, but I promise you there's pretty much nothing I won't talk about that's going on in my life. A custody battle with with a child, you know, from when I was 22, I talk about that. Going to jail, I talk about that. Drug use, I've talked about that. Um, the, the biggest thing, being at Olympia and, and talking about steroids, I've talked about that. But it's all because I want people to understand the struggles in life and how I've overcame them and also the smart decisions. So it's the same thing. So when, I, when I'm when i working with someone, number one, do they appreciate honesty? Because I'm not your your spokesperson who's going to smile and say your product's great if it's not. Mm. Um, so have you, ever, I, all, have you ever put out there that a product is not great? Heck yeah! Really, oh all the God. time, all the time. I've got some YouTube reviews where I've, I've got a whole review of people that sent me supplements and I rate them oh zero God. to ten, and I've given some of them like a two <laughs> or a three. They never co- talk to me ever again. But yeah. you know what? I promise you, and I, I know Rogers would do this. If someone came in and rated your services right, and they were they were respectable, there was actually somebody who worked with you or wor- a yeah. colleague of yours. They said Roger's system is a three out of ten. Yeah. Rot, you would not Del- be pissed at them and no. delete them and cancel them. You're like, hey, listen, let's talk about like what went wrong here and how yeah. we can do better. And so that's the way I am. It, it, same thing with my business, and my products. If you if you have a, a poor um, reality or you have a, a poor feedback from something that I've given you in my business, man, let's talk man to man, eye to eye. I really want to see how we can do better. I don't have feelings when it comes to business. Yeah, you know, um, I have feelings when I get. You know great feedback, but negative. I don't ever take anything personally yeah. unless I'm personally being an idiot and have a bad product, right? Yeah.
0: And, and just to give you all visual, too, I think from a guy like you to say, Let's sit down eye to eye, most people aren't going to have that. That's probably a 4x t shirt that is fitting like a crop top. I would not be comfortable having a man to man talk with you, even on Zoom. And so, whatever you say, <laughs> I agree with, um, especially, Videos off. <laughs> and especially in business, but but for real, I mean, like, how have you done that? And, and, and again, leveling up to where you can. You inspire people with your physique, but you're inspiring them with the fact that you're so authentic to where it's almost like, oh my gosh, I I can't believe he said something like that, but it was real. Like, How, how does that headspace work knowing that there's something you're building here with a different kind of structure and online is a way to you know
1: platform it differently? I hate to do this, but can we go back because I think it's so yeah. important that we talk about picking who you align with Please. with social media posts. You've got to talk to the owners. You've got to talk to the decision makers. There's a lot of influencer recruiters, affiliate managers, uh, they have a lot of these beginning level employees that are recruiting you. And I, I, that's not, we can have a basic discussion, but I need to talk to the person who's creating the core values of your company. And so that's when you get somewhere about whether you align, you can't align. If you've got someone who's literally there just to send you a DM and get you on board and get you to post, you don't know the heart of the company. You don't know if you bleed the same, you know, color. You don't know if you, you don't know if you align. So, if you want to create synergy, and you're an influencer or you're someone who wants to post and advertise, you need to talk and understand the core values of the company. And you know, always you can't, you can't always talk to the owners. You can't talk to the executives. But I've even got to the point now where I'm just not going to do business if, 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 if your executive or owners don't want to get on a phone call, then we just, you know, listen. You don't take me as serious as I'm going to take you. And um, so th- that's, how I, that's how I know if I'm gonna post about something is meeting their owner, understanding their core values, studying the product, um, if it's supplements, I'm looking at the formulations and determining whether or not how many of the supplements, um, are actually going to be good for my demographic. What I, what I give it to my kids, my wife, my grandmother, my, my mother-in-law, my family. And so there's so many things that, and if it's not in my life, then I don't have a part of it. And that's what's changed with social media is for me, you know, you have a lot of people that will simply just do anything for a check, but I'll make more money if it's actually something that is. In a, a serious part of my life because you can sell it yeah and, and like and, and literally physically you can sell because it's obviously
0: part of your brand is your physique and if you believe in something you're a literal walking billboard for
1: it so i think that that's that's Here's an really example okay so this is a peptide that i brought you to try this is called dihexa what is a peptide peptides are uh they're derived from amino acids so they're chains of amino acids bonded together to create um medicine, right? So they come from a a natural form. All right. Some might say and and you'll see my content, I say peptides are natural. Okay. Now are they natural? That's really just an opinion. All right. Because they're not chemically altered. All right? There's no chemicals like a pharmaceutical drug, like big pharma drugs like oxycodone or um, Percocet for anxiety. Um, don't look at me when case. you say
0: Percocet with anxiety. I have anxiety, but I don't take Percocet. It makes me yeah. – I'm joking. Keep going. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You're like Percocet with anxiety or um, whatever the other stuff is well, for hair loss. and Yeah. For- all
1: these well, – we live in a synthetic world, so there is synthetic needs sometimes, right? Because life and, and our nutrition, plastics, metal, heavy metals, toxins, all these different things. Why the heck I have type 1 diabetes, I don't know. But I, I'm not a believer that this is something that's in my genetic code, and this is something that God ordained and put in the human. I think, I think humans have created a lot of our problems, and a lot of doctors are starting to understand actually open up about that. But um, the thing is, so this particular peptide, the reason why I believe in it is because it's an alternative to Adderall. You know, a lot of Adderall is a big, um, issue with (laughs) 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 it's a, it's a healthier alternative. Yeah. So I brought it for you to, to try because there is quite four in the morning when I've just did my
0: second marathon of the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's no side effects. Um, I, I, you know, if, if, if any, very little, nothing like, Adderall, which is a methamphetamine, right? Addiction and heart issues, and you know, all these different potential brain, you know, issues it can cause, inflammation, and so I'm, I believe in this. And this, because I, this company approached me, and these guys said, "Hey, we think you'd be interested in peptides. Like you're a guy who really loves to look at the foundation of things, and um, we think you, you'd understand and like alternative medication." And so, yeah, so this one I, I've never liked Adderall. Um, it it has its purpose. Obviously, I can accelerate more, but this peptide dihexa repairs brain cells and builds new brain cells. And there's clinical trials. There's all sorts of research about it. So the point is, like, I take it. I had brain fog, right? For the first time in my life, um, weird memory issues where like I felt like our, I don't want to get political, but our current president like couldn't remember words that were coming out of my mouth. I was like, man, I've obviously slowed down, and my speaking is not as good. I'm not as as articulate. I'm using like... This is where I tell you, we're getting older. Yeah.
0: And this stuff happens. And eating dinner at four o'clock in the afternoon is okay now. I don't. Until you take peptides.
1: Well, but I just, I'm not, I don't believe that. I believe that with everything, with our possibilities, that we're absolutely not supposed to, you know, be slowing down this much. And absolutely, we're absolutely, you know, we're all dying, as we say. People are like what? What? we're all yeah. going to die. We're all dying. We're all at a certain point. We're all going to die. So we're all dying. But I don't believe that we're you all. You just looked at me like it, you like the, the whole thing with the
0: anxiety thing. You look like you're dying. I'm not. I'm living. I get it. But yeah, we're all. We're all, no, no one's mortal. Yeah. No. No one. And I think that the, I think we are going to be a generation that lives longer than any ge- generation prior, and it may be in large part to you know because of stuff like that. But we have access to different medicines
1: and technology, and you know. Yeah, it's all interesting. And so that's why I got involved with a company like this is because listen, this is an alternative to something that I have a big passion about, which is, you know, um, I think that we're over medicated, you know, I've had family, it's just been an awful thing to see, you know, people on so many pills. And um, so I've had family literally die because they're over medicated. Mm. So um, what's an alternative to that? So that's where I got in, in the peptides. And that's the same thing with every company that I'm aligned with. It's something that I believe based on my past and what I've gone through in life. This is where I'm, what I'm supposed to be. Not what I want to, but this is what I'm supposed to be promoting right now. Describe yourself in one word.
0: Passionate. I literally knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I, I did, and I think... I, I, I think you and I probably have similar excitements, which leads to probably similar struggles. Um, passion, excitement, obsession. You know, if, if you find something you love, then you want to know more than anybody. You want to do it better than anybody. And that's how I am with kind of everything that I yeah, kind of put my mind to. But uh, that leads to um, I have a really hard time finding balance. And I don't know if that's a, a problem with you, but um, if yeah. you've mastered that, maybe give us the formula. <laughs> but for real, knowing that you've got – four kids, you've got a wife, you've got faith, you've got working out, you do it in the morning, you wake up. It's like, how do you maintain relative balance knowing that you also have stuff coming at you at a pace that most people don't? On top of that, with the social media prowess, you've got a different machine that you're running, but you seem to still have, you seem balanced to me, you know, with energy. And I'm sure that's a lot with with the stuff that you're, you know, for real. All my PEDs. No, but for real, I'm sure that that maybe your, your body works at a different type of function than most but how do you find balance where on top of that too this kind of stuff is never it never stops and I can't imagine again I think it's a blessing to have millions of people following you but that also makes you feel like you're responsible for letting them know what you had for an afternoon snack and and Mm -hmm. I struggle with that you not struggle with it but I feel like that's part of what I have
1: to do but where do you find balance I don't first off I don't have it either and I could use, uh, and I do have some amazing mentors in my life that um, help me find balance, right? Whether it's my pastor or some ma- some business mastermind groups I'm a part of, or just my friends, right? And even sometimes my wife. But, you know, so I am still working on that. But this is what I believe for guys like yourself and I, is that we created structure In our first steps into our business life, you know, our structure was probably doing very similar things every single day and doing it a lot, you know, and and doing it over and over again to where it became a part of our life. And so, in the past, man, this is really just the past three months, I've started getting more balance. uh, And it still is a struggle, but by having structure with organization of, of getting away from balance like I have to have a calendar that my alarm goes or my alarm goes off and says to get off your phone at this time of night and so I have to do that and I have to stick to it literally yeah wow that's what works that's been working for me and then I have what time know, is the alarm 2 a.m. Uh, 8 p.m. <laughs> is it really yeah dude good for after, you after 8 p.m. if you're not like uh, and even friends there's certain friends that I don't if if you're not in my house I probably am not talking to you
0: Dude, what a freaking great way to
1: live! And it's been it's been it's been working for me because I do go so hard. I mean, when I woke up, jeez, uh, t- this morning at six, I immediately was on the phone with my partners on the East Coast hmm. and telling about some customer service issues. Have immediately, boom, 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 boom. We're going at it, and tensions and stresses raised. So like, I, that's not good for your mind to do that from from six a.m. All the way till till even six PM. Really, that's yeah. really, how long can you live life like that? So, right now, while we're while I'm in this growth phase where I need to continue to scale things, so I can be, if I can reach my financial goals. It's it's at eight PM, and then I give the last two and a half hours to my wife and kids, and you know, and I'm I'm working from home too, so I'm with them constantly. But um, like I said, I have not mastered balance, but there's a structure. The structure is. You know, personally, um, finding the right childcare. We had good childcare, we didn't like it. So now we're getting back into the right childcare, so me and my wife can do some things as entrepreneurs together. To another day. That's that's a part of balance.
0: Yeah. Is but the, the lesson you're sharing too that I can digest is that I think one of the most important things to find as a as an adult, as a business person, as a just a, whatever a, whatever is find out what you suck at. And I think you you know you and I both know what we're good and we're great at, but I think it also has just shown that you have to be intentional, right? And I, I suck at balance. And if I don't and if I don't have my phone upside down, I'm gonna be on it, which is gonna struggle with having a newborn baby, a wife, and like just watching T V. But it's almost like I have to time block being present. And it seems like you've done that. Even again, eight PM. That's impressive. That's really, really impressive. But mastering that you know, you know yourself. And by doing that, you kind of find out that if you get sucked in and tempted, you miss out. Um, yeah. so I think that's great. What would be uh, the life advice you give somebody, somebody that's watching this now, whether it's someone who has a broken background, they want to be a bodybuilder, they want to be a business owner, they want to be a realtor, they want to own a clothing company, whatever it is, what's the advice you would give them that they have to stick with?
1: Um. Say that again. What's the best advice? I was you thinking so much about this balance. Thing. No, no, no. I,
0: but I mean, the balancing is a whole other conversation in itself. Yeah. And I don't think anybody that's a performer will ever master balance. I, yeah. I think that what happens is as you get older in life, you you master perspective. But then you have to also be real that you can't just go
1: all day and watch your kids grow. Yeah. You can't yeah. go all day and like sit with your wife. That's, you, that's what I was just thinking about is how I realized how detrimental it could be. If you're not balanced, but you're still working, like you're, you've got the work ethic, you're a workhorse. Yeah. You're going 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Yeah, That you will not be as successful as if you simply cut that in half and give more of your best. The you wor- also won't a be diluted resentful. version of yourself that is not balanced is, is not as successful as even a, a less – you know uh, like like a like a horse that's sprinting you know i mean you can't you can't these horses that show up to the kentucky derby they have been resting and training properly so that they're at their peak for that performance that day and then that i just dude i've made some bad decisions that's what i was thinking about i was like i've just made some bad decisions when i'm overworked imbalanced overstressed i get i get uh angry aggressive i say things i don't mean on calls and emails. It's just, it's dumb. It really, you know, think about it. It's that simple for me. It's just, um, taking less of myself away from things so that I can be more the next day. Hmm. Okay. You got to give us your best advice. What is it? My best advice is, oh man, there's, there's so many things, man. This is what I love about life is that, um, you get one, one, one pearl of wisdom, one nugget not a chicken I, I nugget think, and if I it's think, a chicken nugget it's grilled and not I think fried right now <laughs> um don't run just ride
0: hmm Dude, that's like a lyric come on tell me g- give me this what it don't run just ride well here's what
1: i mean is, is that, that a lyric no not yet no i don't know where i got that from to be honest i don't <laughs> know i don't know but well he, here's what i mean is that you know, if you're constantly just just running through life, right? And this is just that's just a word that I say. It's kind of catchy, but if you're running through life and you know you really can't see what's around you, you really can't grasp the special little moments each day, the mm. the the thing, th- the absolute things that you should be grateful for. And there's a lot of expert runners listening, like, man, I run and I'm just like on point. Okay, you're not getting the point. When you're running too fast, though. Um, you can't you can't see everything as if you're taking your time and just coasting. And so, how do you just ride? I think, and I believe, we're all meant to ride through life um, by understanding some of the complications, the obstacles, the tragedies that are happening in our life. We're meant to utilize that um, to not only uh, better ourselves, but because you have that experience, because you've had divorce, because you've had jail time, because you've had um, issues with, you know, addictive fathers and and abusive fathers, Um, that that is not something that you should be necessarily ashamed of. That is because you've gone through that, that that means that you're able to ride through life and help others ride along with you. And maybe that's not everyone. Maybe you have some some issues that are a small niche group of people. But that's even more powerful because now you're a smaller you're in a smaller community you can really tap into people. That's the thing with type 1 diabetes is that, you know, instead of just, you know, running through it and then starting back over life with where I was, you know, I slowed down. I changed a lot of my patterns. I took my time. I appreciated, appreciated every single day and every single step, instead of just running to friends that were cool because we got drunk and wasted and we we had girls all around us, which is what dudes love in their 20s, right? Now I take my time, and you know I I, I rode through that point in my life and just took my time, and I I didn't, you know, I was abstinent for almost two years, didn't date a single girl, and then boom, the first girl I meet. Is, the, is my wife at Encore Beach Club, uh, a, p- a place where I used to go get wasted and blacked out drunk. And now I'm literally seeing you know, almost a love at first sight type thing because I was sober and I took my time. And I was there in Vegas, not partying, but I was there in Vegas competing and I got my IFBB Pro Card. Hmm. That's what happens when you ride. You know, when you're running through life, you tend to make a lot of mistakes. Dude, that's freaking awesome.
0: That's awesome. That is a really eloquent and intricate way of saying stop and smelling the roses. And it's not the destination, it's the journey. But I think you just came up with your, light, your life's catchphrase. That's, and even though you've already had it, that's awesome. Yeah. How do we support you? Where do we find you? Where do we see you? How can we watch you compete? What's the best medium for us going to support
1: you online and in person? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Jason Post and Pro. Facebook, uh, I have a business page, my name, Jason Poston, same thing with YouTube, same thing with TikTok. Um, and that's it, yeah. If you guys have any questions about HRT, TRT, peptides, um, the the next evolution in, in healthcare and just reaching your pinnacle of health, um, you can contact me. It's our company, it's transcendcompany.com. And um, there's a lot of other things in the medical industry we're, that we're working on, too. We're, um, We can save this for another one, but a a possible cure for cancer uh, with a clinic down in Cancun. Um, We're working on that um, as well as stem cell exosomes to help people uh, with injuries and autism and even cancer prevention and just longevity of life. I mean, uh, stem cell exosomes now are um, uh, approved in the United States. And uh, a company I'm working with, we have, a, we're on an FDA master list. So it's it's legal and prescribed by our doctors. Uh, and it's a, it could be a telehealth platform. We're not there yet, but we can literally deliver them to people's house. And so, yeah, all, all things as far as optimizing health away from your typical medications is really what I'm passionate about now. So, um, and actually start my treatment for uh, uh, trying to reverse type one diabetes tomorrow. I believe it. So I'll tell you what,
0: um, this was awesome. This was a very uh, eye-opening conversation, and I've always been a fan of you, but now uh, I'm, a, I'm a bigger fan. Not physically, because I'll never be... I'm a bigger fan in the sense that I love you, and I appreciate you, and I always um, have a fascination with people that just believe in what they're saying, and you, you own it, man. And love you too, brother. Are you going to yeah. come work out with me now? No, I've already worked out today twice, uh-huh. um, and okay. so now I'm probably going to... It's only time. like 10.30. No, I have lunch. Um, but... But in all seriousness, thanks for sharing your heart every day, online, in person, and for being a part of this today. And uh, Jason Poston, uh, show him some love, support him, follow him, and um, when he speaks something, know that it's because he believes in it, and that's what this podcast is all about. So thank you, Jason, for being a part of this. You are a stud. Thank
1: you, Rogers. I appreciate it. I'm Jason Poston, and this is how you sell without selling out. Rogers that.